Welcome to the Haunted as Hell podcast. I'm your host, writer and comedian Emily Winter. It's the week before Halloween! This is our time, everybody. This is so exciting. What are you doing on Halloween? I want to know what you guys are up to. If you want to message me on Instagram, I'm at Emily MC Winter, and so is Haunted as Hell podcast. I will be doing something incredibly scary on Halloween. I will be flying from New York to LA on Spirit Airlines. Ooh-wee, Daddy. <laughs> I should have just taken the bus. Anyway, um, I'm going to be in New York for a show this Friday. It is my husband recording an album. It's going to be so, so fun. And I've seen this hour. It's so, so funny. Um, so it, that's at Jalopy Theater in Brooklyn. And you can get tickets at jalopytheater.org. And I hope to see you there on this Friday. And I hope you like this episode because it rules. I've, I've really been nailing it with finding great guests lately. Good job, me. These people are awesome. Okay, that, have a good week. Today on the podcast, I'm super excited to have comedian Teresa McCammon. Teresa, thank you so much for doing the pod. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to hear your ghost story. So you are in Louisville right now. And is that Correct. where your story takes place? Yeah, for the most part during throughout the state. But yes, I'm so excited. I don't think I've had somebody in Kentucky tell me ghost stories yet. So I'm over 100 episodes in and I still don't have this. So I'm very yeah. excited. Well, they are everywhere. So they are everywhere. You got to meet them Southern ghosts. They're a little, <laughs> little more hospitable. <laughs> So what's your story? I guess on a personal level, it started, trying to think, early 2000s. You know, I've always had some kind of sixth sense. And my my mother and her brothers did. um, And I'm the one who wanted it. And I don't really have what they have, you know, to see or experience uh, paranormal things. So, but. What um, what kind of stuff would they experience? Uh, well, I have an uncle who says that the dead come to him and he wants to turn it off. He, You know, he's yeah. got to shut it down because he doesn't want to do that. It's as if souls that haven't left are coming to him lost and just very random. My mom has seen things, um, uh, dead, you know, loved ones that have gone on or passed on. So and. I noticed some that, you know, some people are very skeptical or they don't believe those things. But I know these two. I mean, it's my mother and uncle, then they have no reason to make it up. You know, right. it's just it's not like they're it's not attention seeker. They're not running around telling everybody or they have something out there. It's I know that not everybody knows that about them. So, right. Especially when they don't necessarily want it. Like your uncle sounds like, yeah. no, he, he wouldn't make this up because he doesn't even want to talk about it. Right. He really doesn't want anything to do with it. And he's got that capability, which I think some do. And then I'm the one who's like, oh, I want it, you know, to me. And then now I'm kind of rethinking it. Uh, But I do feel like, um, you know, that I'm very protected, too. So I don't know how to explain that. Like, I Mm -hmm. almost can't they can't kind of get tap me because I'm I'm protected. So. Which is odd. So I don't know what to make of that. I mean, everybody has different thoughts and theories and spirituality or religion and and thinks differently. Um, mine actually started or the very first significant paranormal thing that happened to me was uh, I had I was I lost a daughter and um, so I was seven months pregnant. Now, it's, uh, thank you. Um, 
I wouldn't have Nolan. I wouldn't have a, I have a 19 year old son, but she, um, I had lost her when I was seven months pregnant. She was stillborn. And at that time we lived in this house that was over 120 years old, mm-hmm. like an old farmhouse out in the country. And there was a new part to it and an old part to it. And the old part is where our bedrooms were. And, um, we didn't own this place. We had rented it. And I guess, you know, obviously when you have a loss such as that, um, I was in a funk. I was depressed. So I found myself going to the bedroom all the time to lay down and just take naps. I just wanted to sleep all the time. Mm-hmm. And I guess about two months after um, we lost her, I had gone to lay down. And I was not asleep and I felt uh, somebody tugging at the, on the um, comforter at the end of the bed, you know, like somebody's grabbed it and pulled it. And I thought it was our cat. Mm -hmm. And I sat up and I was like, Jazz, you know, knock it off. Um, But Jazz wasn't in the bedroom. So it was, and it was as if somebody was just holding onto that comfort and pulling it right off, you know, at your feet. Kind of like, get out of bed? Yes, yeah. And it's funny that you should say that because that's kind of what was happening. So um, that had occurred and this was all kind of relevant, like within the same month. And I, I've understood that when you have a loss, sometimes you're really open to things. Um, and that made sense to me because I didn't, you know, I had to kind of think about all this a little bit afterwards. So then there was three other times when I had been in that that bedroom within those 30 days. Uh, one time I went, I laid down to go to bed. Again, mm-hmm. I was not asleep yet. And I could feel the presence of a body lay down in the bed next to me. Whoa. Did and it, it you just out. felt like an imprint or something? Yes, exactly. It felt like a pressure and you felt the bed sink. And my uh, ex-husband, he was in his office, which was in the new part of the house. And I jumped out of that bed. Like, I mean, I laid there. I remember saying, I need a hedge of protection, you know, and I could feel actually the body lift as well. And that's when I got out of bed and took off and ran to um, my ex-husband, like hyperventilating. Yes. So wait, so you're, so the, the imprint, it went down and then they, it's like they got out of bed as well. Yeah. Like, so I'm laying there getting ready to go to sleep and I could feel I'm facing one way. So I'm not facing like the bed, I'm facing the wall. And it was what a queen size bed. And I could feel the entity laid down in the bed. So it pushed the mattress down and I could tell somebody's in bed with me, but it was of course nobody. And then I started, you know, my mind, I was, I was getting sweaty. I was just laying there like waiting for it to leave. And then I could feel the presence also leave um because like the the mattress spring back up it was probably seconds so um and then the third one third thing that happened in that bedroom was um having I think I was asleep but I felt like someone was pulling me out of the bed and when I kind of came to half my body was out of the bed and it's as if they were pulling my arm and pulling me out Whoa. So this is awesome. With all that being said, huh? This is awesome. So it was very weird because it happened three times. We had already lived there for, I want to say two years. Nothing had ever happened. Mm -hmm. And then um, this 
started to occur. And oddly, as long as we'd been there, I did not notice I was starting to see crosses on some of the cabinets and doors where somebody did like holy water. And I had not even seen that before. Wait, so it was like there was a mark of a cross? Yes. So if I saw the doors, you could see the marks. And then the cabinets, I started paying more attention to it when I saw the first one. So all that was kind of... And it was water or it was just, what was it? Like, what was the marks? Was it, yeah. What was usually, so somebody had blessed the house mm-hmm. and when they bless a house, usually the holy water is typical, but why it would make a stain, I don't know because it wouldn't do that. So I don't, I don't understand, Emily. I really don't. I don't know why I could see this. I'm not entirely sure what they used. Yeah. But Amazing. I'm, all of this, I'm very aware now. All of this has gone on. It's been like 30 days. I'm like, nothing's happened in these two years. What in the heck's going on? But I also had a significant loss and, mm-hmm. you know, had been open. So it wasn't long after that. Actually, um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't very long after that we were moving. We were leaving the house. Mm-hmm. The last day that we were there... Um, and I had never asked the landlord came up and he, they were really nice people and his, it'd been in the family for years. That's all I had known. And, um, his sister had lived there for 15 years. And I said to him on the last day, like truly just getting ready to leave the parking, other uh, the driveway. And I said, did your sister ever say that anything ever happened, that it was paranormal here? And he said, yep, absolutely. So evidently, um, Louisville had a very documented 1937 flood and this farmhouse is is away from the river but it, it, it during this kind of a flood event it was right there and uh there was two sisters and they were old maids and they lived at that house well one of the sisters drowned in the 1937 flood oh. and i was like okay i went back inside the house and i went back to that bedroom and I thanked her, you know, I said, I didn't know you were here and this is your home. And um, because I realized my I felt as if she was trying to pull me out of my funk. Yeah, like she knew what was going on. Like she's trying to support me, but she was also trying to get me out of bed. And I am convinced it was the sister that because a lot of time. Go ahead. Oh, it's just so beautiful. Yeah, it was kind of neat. But I believe that there's thought. In the paranormal world that people who have died tragically, um, that they, that's where the lost souls come in. Mm -hmm. They don't know that they died because they died tragically. Mm -hmm. So, um, but anyway, it it was very weird and surreal on the very last day that when I asked that question and just had found out that information. So it answered a lot of questions for me. So after that, um, not long after that, maybe a year later, I had my son. Things didn't work out for me and his father. He's a great, wonderful dad, though. And I found myself every time Nolan was with his dad, I didn't have anything to do. So I'd go watch TV with my mom. And I was like, I've really got to get a life. And at that time, I was like 39-ish, I think. And I decided I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. 
Next thing you know, someone dares me to go on an open mic. I'm now doing comedy. And then we get to talk about work, about paranormal stuff. And I'm like, hey, is there anything paranormal in Louisville, like some kind of club or something we could do? So I'm trying to find things to do and find myself all over again. And there was, there was Louisville Paranormal Investigators and they were looking for people that wanted to join them. And I'm like, I'm doing it. And I had three friends that joined me on that. The very first class that they had was how to make sure you didn't take anything home with you. So they went through a variety of different things to get us to make sure that we didn't take something home. And how do you do that? that? Yeah. Is there any, do you have any quick fixes for listeners that are just like, I want to give this a try, but I'm afraid. Yeah. So I, I I correct myself though. I do think it, I don't think it was the first class. It was the second class that they taught us because I remember thinking they should have done this in the first class. We started with five people, five friends, one of them, including my mother. And, um, needless to say, the second class is when they actually had two, a husband and wife team come in and teach us, um, demonic versus something that was really just a an entity that was left a lost soul there there are differences of course and yes i believe there are things that are demonic there are things that are just a lost soul but there are evil it is there is evil and for the most part it was whenever you left anywhere and you got into the car to make sure you roll down your windows and you say out loud you can't you can't go with me you have to stay here you need to leave right now you are not welcome mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. leave and drive away okay if that's if you've had an experience with something at, at a particular place uh anytime they do a blessing in the house they I believe it's the prayer of saint michael you know, someone's going through the house with sage. You start at the back part of the house, work your way through to the front door. And then all the while, the other person is is repeating the prayer of St. Michael over and over and over again while the person does the sage. Okay. That's doing a quick blessing if you think that there's something bad or lurking or. And did you learn to do that with like the windows open and the doors open as well? Yes. Yes. Okay. It just depends on the layout of the house. So you know what I'm talking about. You know, you can't start at a certain place. It's like you're flushing out the house. You got to start at the furthest corner of the house and work your way out. Okay. And have windows open, just like you said, especially upstairs, if there's an upstairs. So a couple of things such as that. They also taught us like um, signs of something trying to reach you. So in other words, if, and I've had this happen, you might have had it too, many people might have, where the doorbell rings at 3 a.m. And you're like, who's at my door at 3 a.m.? And there's no way I'm going to get that. And a lot of times people do go answer the door and nothing's there. Mm-hmm. But whatever was really truly there has now walked in your house. So you don't want to open the door. So just and- don't open the door at 3 a.m. Nope, 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 nope. Doesn't matter who it is. You know, people could text and call us. So it's not like it's a friend <laughs> going, I need help. No, it's probably not good. So, uh, and also there's, if you ever heard where you think you've heard your name, somebody say your name. If you just kind of heard Emily, mm-hmm. you know, I, I get that a lot. Is really? if somebody is in my ear and says, Teresa, and I'm looking around, but nobody's there. 
Um, That's never happened else? to me, but also I'm not gifted. I just have a huge interest in all this, but I, mm-hmm. and I believe it, but I don't, yeah, I'm not like, I don't attract any of this. I, or I don't know. I have a big thick skull and I can't, yeah, it doesn't happen for me. Maybe one day. <laughs> Uh, no, but that's I, amazing. See, I was very much like that. And that's what I'm saying. I was, I wanted to be more open, but I couldn't either. Yeah. But when they started talking about things, I didn't realize that I'd had some of these experiences my whole life, but I just didn't know what they were. Right. You know, when you feel that presence of somebody. So after, of course, starting this, then things became, I became more aware because I started doing paranormal investigations with this group. And became very, it just, I could feel, I could feel cold. I could feel uh, a presence, never visually ever saw anything, Mm -hmm. but I do remember like at Comedy Caravan, it's a prominent local comedy club in Louisville, Kentucky. It's been around, it used to be the funny farm and Tom Sobel, one of the biggest booking artists of our country uh, owned it. And um, he recently passed away. But Comedy Caravan, he had told me some time ago as others that it was haunted and it was haunted by a old comedian that we there was actually a comedian that died on stage there. Oh, my God. Sadly. Yeah. Man, I had a massive heart attack. Oh, that's the scariest and, thing, because everyone thinks you're doing a bit and you're like, no, I I need medical help. Like, I always think, yeah, I, I've had this worry because I always, this is TMI probably, but I always poop right before I perform. I'm 12 years into comedy and I always poop. Uh, and I'm like, <laughs> one day I'm just going to poop on stage and everyone's going to think I'm doing a bit and then they're going to smell it and they're going to be like, this is not a bit. This woman is having a problem, you know? <laughs> but anyway, this is the worst version of that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, that would be significant. I cannot recall the stories, but it wasn't, uh, I I think there was a comic that they said haunted it, but nothing, he didn't die there or do anything tragically. It's as if he had played or been there before, did some comedy there before and liked the club. And they said that he haunts it now, but he was never originally from Louisville. And then, yes, there was a comedian that did die on stage. I um, happen to know the, uh, comedian the headliner was or she might have been featuring i'm not sure that was there that weekend um and she's still a bit traumatized by it so and and rightly so um and that was only that's been within the last 10 years so so they the the one who died on stage is not the one that haunts it well there's thought that there that maybe Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there's been too much reference to the other comedian who evidently was very tall. He was over six feet. And I was there. They were going to have a media. Uh, there was a meeting of local comedians in Louisville. So I went down there and we were all what's called the Oasis room and standing in there. And I was standing by the bar. There was nobody near me. And I heard the Teresa in my ear, like I said, and then I I felt like somebody was towering over me. I'm only five, two. So you could be five, six and it feels like you're towering over me. Um, But this, it's like something, someone's standing behind me and they've got to be like six, three. And then I, when I'd heard my name and I turned around, totally looking up, expecting to see somebody tall standing behind me, there was nobody there. And it wasn't long after that. I think that I had made mention about it and somebody shared the story with me. 
about those comedians and hauntings. And they have had a paranormal group to come in there and do some kind of investigation. It was not ours. I don't know what the outcome was of mm-hmm. it because they're usually overnight. But I do know that um, one of the owners, it was not Tom, uh, one of the owners that bought it directly from him um, when he decided to sell, they got the paranormal group in there. But um, I think you know him. You know uh, Mike Brody? Community Mike yes, Brody? yes, Minnesota. Yes. He's been on the podcast. I love him, yeah. Yes, and, and he does this. And he has headlined for Comedy Caravan several times. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't recommend, I, I'm not sure if I had featured for him or not or just happened to be down in the club because everybody's like, oh, you got to meet him. Mm-hmm. He knows paranormal stuff. And then he does stuff in that hotel where they had filmed the shining and i'm like okay you had me at that (laughs) and so we at that time whenever mike came to town and i'd already reached out to him i said we have um i was already part of the louisville paranormal investigators and we have a we kind of had a home base it was called baxter avenue morgue so this old 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 building had been 20 billion different things evidently like from a laundry service um, kind of factory place, but uh, you could tell at some point when they've started digging and excavating, they started finding things under the dirt, like um, old horse stalls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a story about a family that went missing, that they owned the morgue. It was a morgue at one point and that they had gone missing. Well, um, later on, it became a haunted house. It's still a big time haunted house in Louisville. So, you know, every October, towards the end of September, you can go to the Baxter Avenue Morgue. So we would go and do investigations there. And the crazy thing was, it was all set up like it was a haunted house. So it was creepy as it was. That's really funny. I love it. And uh, we started doing some investigating there because the thought was... It act as if act as if it was a like a, a like a depot, like a train depot, mm-hmm. and there was all kinds of souls there. It didn't make any sense of who they were or belong there, but it was as if it was like a portal where entities would come to it, and it would just be random. Okay. So, but Tom Bro or uh, Mike Brody, whenever he came into town, I was like, "You want to go and do an investigation? I'll line one up." that night so after his shows at comedy caravan um which he's fantastic by the way he came over to the baxter avenue morgue and did a um uh, investigation with us i don't think anything was really happening or popping that night so uh he probably didn't think twice about it but there has been significant things in the past and i experienced uh something significant and ultimately what happened after that was the people that that do the investigations or, or head the, the LPI submitted some stories of us that they had on tape of us telling our stories to my ghost story. The TV show that was on several years ago, they still mm-hmm. show reruns. And next thing I know, my ghost story wants me to come out to L.A. and, and film. And it was the fastest 24 hours in California I'd ever had. And came right back 
and then it went, then like a month later they come to the site and we we film all these things which was hilarious because they're like okay would you put your hand on the doorknob and turn it ever so slightly? Okay, now just take your hand off and, and put it above <laughs> it. Like all of these different types of things, which, you know, you they'll have like three hours of footage and use five minutes. But that's yes. Okay. Oh, it's it's exhausting. I played a ghost actually on a ghost reenactment show when I was like 22. And uh, yeah, it was just like me sitting in a cab for so long, for so <laughs> long. So I was supposed to be like a ghost. That, yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, but totally. Get it. <laughs> it is funny though it is like really weird to okay when you know get in the car like you're driving off okay get in the car and turn your head this way and drive turn your head that way and drive so it was it was pretty eventful and uh my story and you know we this was at a time if you think about it i used to think there was going to be a whole paranormal paranormal channel on cable i still can't believe there's not i can't believe it yeah totally there should be I, I would have swore to you that that was going to happen with all of the paranormal shows that were on. Mm -hmm. And this was at the height of it. Like everybody was like, Ooh, they wanted to do this. Mm -hmm. So um, I'd already been doing it for a number of years. And I, while Baxter Avenue morgue was our home site, we did do other places. We did all kinds of places in the state. Um, the team would also had gone to Gettysburg. I guess I can get to that in a minute, but, but with the ghost story, uh, it's still on, it still airs. So once in a while I get a friend who texts me and they're like, saw you on TV this morning, watched an old episode of my ghost story. So, so what, were um, the, what did, what were the stories that you told on my ghost story from Baxter Avenue more? Well, the one, the thing that was the most significant and I think it just told me that yes, there is paranormal confirmed that it was entities. I have always felt Emily though. It's not my place to understand it. Mm -hmm. Or know exactly how it works. I just, you know, I do believe in God. And I was like, it's really not my place. It's not like God's going to go, yes, this is how, and this is how, what's happening. You know, it's, yeah. it's like I confirmed, yes, this happens. It does exist. And I do believe in, in ghosts and entity and demonic things. But um, I didn't want to dig too, too deep. I didn't okay. feel like that was my right to do. Mm -hmm. But I, when we did LPI, I handled the uh, voices. So we had the EVPs. Okay. And I would. Um, Sorry, what does LPI stand for? Louisville Paranormal Investigations. Oh, uh, okay. 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 Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Should yeah, have put sorry. that together, but that's right, yeah. okay. <laughs> we had to, um, we LPI had me do the little recordings and then I would take them home. And there was a program that I had to go through to see if okay you know and and if i could find anything or hear noise or hear sound it was kind of it was really cool but it was really creepy to do if you're home alone and it's like midnight and you're going through all this data and listening i was like something's gonna freak me out mm -hmm. and i'm not gonna have anybody here <laughs> but so one night i was listening back and i we had done an investigation and i was in a particular room i can't remember what they called that room but um, I didn't hear it at the time. I heard something and I did hear where a voice said out loud. Um, I think I asked where where they were and they told me the room that they were in. And I realized I think I got something. So I was saying things, but at that time I couldn't necessarily hear anything back when I was doing it real time. When mm -hmm. I took it home and I started going through the EVP. 
there was um, a comment that was made that there's just no way it could be on that. Uh, I don't know if you all understand EVPs and using, well, using a recorder, but using like a AM radio that's okay. on static. And they use that often to try and attract all of this. So the Baxter Avenue morgue, like I told you, it's an active uh, haunted house. And there is a gentleman named Lucian. He was dressed up as this particular character who was one of the missing family members back in the day. I was saying, talking about that earlier. And so whenever you arrive to the morgue, Lucian comes out and he was like, you know, he's, he's very dramatic, very um, charisma and just hello and welcome to the blah, blah, blah. And uh, Lucian was a friend of ours is just an actor and, but you don't hear that name, Lucian. No. I think he went by Luke, but you just didn't hear that name, Lucian, at all. So I was in that particular room. And when I started going through the EVP, the voice said, Lucian introduces. And I was like, uh, what? That's <laughs> um, amazing. So, first of all, nobody says the name Lucian. And even if it was something on the AM radio, it was like, it's Lucian. Nobody goes by that name. It's such a rare name. And what does Lucian do at the Baxter Avenue morgue? He introduces you to the morgue. He's the first person you meet before you walk through the haunted house, the haunted morgue. So, and I was he, like, sorry, is he deceased or is he alive? I'm no, confused. still very much around. Yeah. Oh, I don't know okay. if he does the intro, you know, cause this was, this was about 10 years ago. So I'm not sure if he's still doing that role, but he was there for years. Yeah. Lucian has always filled that role. So. so like the ghosts know him and they're like, Lucian introduces. Yes. Yes. Amazing. Cause he was there every weekend during October. And I was like, you can't make that up. Yeah. So when I, showed the you know because we paranormal investigators they'll do everything to debunk anything we're going to debunk it you know everybody thinks they have an orb and i crush dreams all the time <laughs> <on> facebook <laughs> everybody's like oh yeah oh oh and i'm like nope not an orb <laughs> that's <laughs> so like, funny mad. no but. good for you good for you we need people to do that so that you know to to make when the stories are real then they're really meaningful Oh, absolutely. And, you know, orbs are solid. And a lot of people have these clear, you know, and it's like, no, that's a bug. You know, it's got like a tracer behind it. It was a fast moving bug. Our mm -hmm. cameras, you know, our cell phones do weird things and the camera. So, yeah, it's um, just education. And I, I didn't know any of that until I learned a lot of this. But yeah. so that was a huge kind of find to have a voice saying Lucian and it was a man um, I couldn't tell you an age but he just said Lucian introduces and then you hear my voice say where are you well I never heard an answer but yeah. like I said when I go through the EVPs then I was hearing the answer just sitting there in the room and asking I didn't hear it and then he said and I'm so sorry I can't remember what the room was called but he said the room so it was like he said Lucian introduces and you hear me say where are you because I don't even know he says that Mm -hmm. later and then he says the room that we're in so that's that amazing. was like 100 my 
experience with something that I was like, I cannot debunk this. I can't make it up. I can't manipulate anything. And so they did a big video about it. And then my ghost story, that's predominantly what I had shared with them. Amazing. So, but I did share something one night that a chair, uh, the owners were down there. It was a Friday night and I happened to text and say, Hey, what are you guys up to? Oh, we're down at the morgue. Come on down. We're just kind of doing our own thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely. So I went down and they had had, um, they had just set up a camera downstairs, uh, in this uh, particular room where the, the funny thing is it's, it's set up for a haunted house. So there's like gurneys and like body parts, bloody all over. <laughs> so it looks horrible anyway. And, um, the owner's wife, we, well, we, we were walking off and, and did something else and we hear him scream. And when we went back in, he was like, go run that, go run the, run the tape, run the tape, run the camera Mm -hmm. because the chair had flipped over. So you see the chair rock and it had flipped over. We weren't in there. He was in there, but he had heard the chair. He wasn't in the room at the time. And then when we went back. Um, and we looked at the camera. It was just like this folding chair rocked and then flipped over. Oh my gosh. And you have the, you have the evidence. That's amazing. Yeah. So we had that and, and that I, I absolutely saw my own eyes. And then of course my, my, um, experience checking with those EVPs and then, that's the stories that I had told on my ghost story. So those, those were the the crazy things that happened with LPI. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I, I found it fascinating and more fun that I was in a place at 2 a.m. in the morning and in places where I'm like, you know, if we ever came here, we'd never be able to go in here. Like the Bell of Louisville's captain where he drives. I'm like, we wouldn't be even allowed to be up here. It's 2 a.m. We're hanging out in the bell where the captain is. Yeah. So the history of everything is just fascinating. I I appreciate that you're not that you don't you're you're no bullshit on the like times that you don't get anything. What percentage of time do you feel like do you actually get some evidence of paranormal when you're doing these investigations? Because I feel like there's a big people think that when you go in, you're going to get a ghost every time. And that's clearly not true. So what from somebody who really is serious about this like how often does that happen compared to the times that it doesn't it, you more so don't get anything at all yeah at all you know and then you when you do get something you go through so much to try and rule out a variety of different things to say no this was truly something of a paranormal activity mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there's been plenty of times we've gone to places and we were so excited because we'd heard Oh, this happened, that happened, and then be crushed because there was nothing that came of it. So it was it was quite disappointing many, many, many times because you are 100% spot on. You're going to, there'll be nothing most nights in most places you go. And I wonder Bella if this is the nothing. reason that there is no paranormal channel because you have to spend so much time and money. If you're, if you're not, and I know some of the ghost shows are fake, but... If you're being serious about it, then you're going to waste a lot of time, energy, money, crew, you know, to to get a film, to get all this information yeah. and there's nothing. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, more so you're going to be very disappointed, but you got you got a good point. It'd be really labor intensive to have some kind of paranormal channel. So 
so I did that for quite some time. I'm, I really don't do as much as that anymore, but I do get asked sometimes like if somebody, I get a lot of comments, I need to have you over at the house. There's stuff going on. I'm like, just let me know. I would do it like that for a friend. Get a lot of people who we did some private homes before they would call and say, Hey, can you do a private? And uh, the one that I went on in particular, I'm also a nurse. So when we did this one, I was like, um, yeah, there's nothing paranormal going on here. Unfortunately, it's mental health. And oh. she ended up that she was schizophrenic and oh gosh, that's so sad. And I'm not entirely sure she was diagnosed just yet. Um, yeah. But at the end of it, I kind of had to talk. You know, we did the, but we followed through and did a blessing and a cleansing of the house and let her see that. And maybe if that offered her some temporary peace. But at the end of it, I had to tell them I was like, guys, this isn't. There's nothing paranormal here. You know. Yeah, that's so. very kind of you. Well, this has been an amazing episode. Uh, Teresa, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet or wherever. Plug what, anything you would like to plug. I'm very predominantly based in Louisville. And because of my profession and uh, being a nurse. And then during COVID, I did not do quite a bit because it was not funny to me. And I no. really want to hear the comedy jokes either. No. And, and also, uh, who wants COVID. to go kill people with their jokes? Like, yeah. you know. That's so I, I did a fundraiser, but I was just so busy within 2020, 2021 dealing with this uh, crap. So, so at this moment, I am me on Facebook and I typically at Comedy Caravan when I do something. Uh, and I know we got two more new clubs in town. I still haven't checked out or done oh, anything. Cool. On, but Louisville Comedy Club is downtown and they're bringing in some really big headliners. So, yeah, I'd like to maybe take that stage one day. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Haunted as Hell, formerly Comedians with Ghost Stories. If you enjoyed this podcast, the best thing you could do is help spread the word about it by rating and reviewing it wherever you get your pods and just sharing it. You know, the old-fashioned way, like saying to somebody, wow, I just did the best thing with my commute. Oh, what was it? It was listening to this podcast. It really... It was so good. It was called Haunted as Hell, formerly Comedians with Ghost Stories. Oh, wow. Great. Thank you for telling me, Ted. Also, you can follow me on Instagram at Emily MC Winter and Haunted as Hell on Instagram. Here's a good way to remember it. It sounds like haunted a shell.